TL Talk Radio, Season 2, Episode 30. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 30 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funy-Hetton and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funy-Hetton. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Can you believe Episode 30? I was just thinking the same thing, Episode 30, when I heard you say that. Wow. And last year we did... And last year we did 20, so this is really our 50th episode. Wow. And partially because all of these great thought leaders and authors who are willing to share their time and talent and research and learning with us, it's been really exciting and, and motivating to uh, to learn more and share more episodes. So today we're talking with Susie Boss. Susie is a writer and educational consultant who focuses on the power of teaching and learning to improve lives and transform communities. Susie has written several books about project-based learning and 21st century skills. Recent writing projects include Setting the Standard for Project-Based Learning, which she wrote with co-authors from the Buck Institute for Education, and an updated edition of Reinventing Project-Based Learning, Your Field Guide to Real-World Projects in the Digital Age, published by ISTE. She's a regular contributor to Edutopia in the Stanford Social Innovation Review, and her work has appeared in a wide range of other publications, including Educational Leadership, Principal Leadership, New York Times, Huffington Post, and Newsweek. Susie's worked with educators around the globe, both face-to-face and virtually, who want to shift their practice to more student-driven learning. She's also helped develop programs that teach youth and adults how to improve their communities with innovative, sustainable solutions. Her wide-ranging interests in education were shaped by several years as a writer, editor, and field researcher for the Northwest Regional Educational Laboratory, which is now known as Education Northwest. Welcome to the show, Susie. Thank you so much for the invitation. Wonderful to be here. Episode 50, that's exciting. Yeah, we're, we're very excited not only for that, but mostly because we get to talk to you about something that we are really interested in and trying to move forward on, and that is this idea of innovation in education, as well as project-based learning. So let's start off the conversation uh, referencing an author that we had earlier on in our, in our year, our season, and that was Warren Berger, and he writes that a beautiful question is one that is ambitious and actionable. So behind your work and behind your book on innovation, what is the beautiful question that's driving you? Sure. Uh, first, just a, a nod to his work. I love his book and his whole approach to inquiry. Um, for me, what's driving um, my thinking about innovation is, I, I guess it would come down to this. How might we unlock the potential of students to become innovators? That's the beautiful question that I think can lead us in some pretty beautiful directions in education. Interesting. So as we go on, we're going to want to uncover a little bit more. What does that idea of innovation mean and look like? So we really like the structure of your book with the content development call to action and practical application with borrow this idea. We always love when we can borrow other people's ideas. And uh, you begin your book by encouraging us to develop a common language about innovation. How can we do this with our teachers and our leaders? You know, I, th- I think exactly what you're doing here, having um, big conversations is a really great starting point. 
the fact that you're um, kind of uh, opening up the conversation to folks beyond your district, to people from uh, who are thinking about innovation and school change from multiple perspectives, that's a great starting point, I think, to just start get, getting the ideas flowing. I think around innovation in particular, we have a challenge, and that's to demystify the process of innovation. It can, when you see a final product, you just, you don't know what happened. You don't know the backstory of that product, right? It's like seeing a beautiful painting in a museum without knowing all the drafts that the artist went through to get there. It can seem like some brilliant breakthrough idea just happened by some sort of magic. And I think helping people understand that innovation is a process, can be kind of a messy process, um, can involve a lot of trial and error and redirection and iterations and all of that, but it's a process that's very learnable and teachable. Um, and I think until we start having conversations about what do we really mean by innovation uh, and what might it mean in our classrooms, for our teachers, for our students, for school leadership, um, you know, I, I think just talking about it and getting some ideas um, to kind of pick apart and, um, you know, uh, uh, do a little bit of an uh, autopsy on some innovation uh, and think about how did, how did they get from point A to point B? And what might it then mean in the classroom to create kind of a right-sized experience for students to go through the same process? So I think getting really comfortable with the process, um, getting rid of the mystery, and then developing some common ways of talking about what do you mean by innovation in your community? Um, how might it help you? Why is it something that you feel like you want to know more about? So as leaders, one of the things that we want to do in just about every initiative that we're working on is we want to provide that support and oftentimes, and when we can, to be a role model. So we want to role model innovation. And I think you you talked about this idea of conversation. So that might be one way that, that we could model as leaders. What other ways uh, can you suggest that we as leaders be role models so that we can work with our building leaders and department heads to create these conditions around innovation? Sure. You know, I think um, nothing beats getting your hands dirty. <laughs> so I think getting together with your teachers and having some sort of a, um, a shared experience that puts you all in the role of innovators together. Low stakes, no risk. Everybody's going to be comfortable giving this a try. And there are some, um, you know, some, some activities that kind of make the rounds. Um, one that I saw a school use um, really well, a school I've been working with, um, I worked with some international schools as well as those in the U.S. because I think innovation is a topic that's um, driving conversations around the globe. But working with a school in Switzerland, um, they hosted um, a fail fair. So the idea was it was staff only, no students. Um, bring an example of something that was a, just an epic fail in your classroom or something you tried as a leader, just didn't work well, with the idea that there's something in that we can learn from. We're going to take this failure apart, figure out what was the attempt in the first place, kind of where did we go wrong, was there part of it that was actually successful and um, we got frustrated because we didn't get all the way to the finish line, but is there something there worth building on? And to have an event like that happen in a productive way of course it can't feel like it's an evaluation can't feel like you're going to be judged um, for something you tried that didn't go well you need a little levity in the room you know so some good humor goes a long way and i think um, if you're a bold school leader 
you're going to go first in that round. <laughs> you're going to tell your own story first of something you tried that didn't go perfectly. Um, warts and all, those are the stories worth sharing. And then getting right to what can we learn from that. I think that's one example. I think the same kinds of um, ways to get your hands dirty would be to try using a process like design thinking, for example, with your staff. Um, I suspect that's a, a process you've come across in your um, your field work. I think you've been out to the West Coast and visited uh, the D School at Stanford, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So you've seen design yeah? Yes. You've seen design thinking in action. So give it a test run with your colleagues. Again, create a safe space for that. Pick a design challenge that is really worth tackling. You know, something that's perplexing you as a staff. And then use that process, which is, again, a, a way through to problem solving, a way to bring creative, you know, creative ideas um, out in the open, build on each other's ideas, and then think about how do we make them actionable. Um, a lot of great learning that could happen in a pretty short time. Again, I've worked with schools on design thinking challenges, and in a couple of days, a staff um, gets a really great sense of what is this process and why is it valuable? Um, how did it help me as a teacher or as a school uh, administrator or school leader? Think about a problem in a different way. Come up with an, a solution that's worth trying. Make that better. Um, really understand the problem from somebody else's point of view, all those things that you're going to learn through the process. So I think create some space uh, to give some of these ideas a try, and then you'll start um, growing that conversation. Okay, which one of these strategies or, or multiple strategies feel like they have a, a home in our school system? How could we use them all the time and start building them into the DNA of our school system? Um, so I think being that kind of role model who's willing to put yourself out there um, to step into that, you know, uh, true leadership role, I think, of, of creating some um, opportunities for your colleagues to try something new, to take a risk themselves, to get a sense of what's it feel like. In my uh, book about innovation, I describe a, 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 a profile, an innovation profile uh, for um, educators who have a strong um, capacity for innovation. And it's the thing, same thing I think is true for school leaders. So look at your own innovation profile. You know, are you that action-oriented person? Or do you kind of like to hang in a conference room and talk about ideas forever? Um, innovators tend to be more ready to put ideas into action than spend, you know, the endless uh, conversations. You know, are you willing to step into the risk-taker role? Um, do you know how to build a network and really use it for your own advantage. All those start, sorts of things um, go into the profile of an innovative person, whether that's a school leader or whether that's one of your teachers who needs to know that this is a profile you really value and um, want to encourage. So I make two connections to the things that you just, just talked about. And, and one is the value of the conversation. And I think that as leaders, it's very important that we make the space for those conversations to happen. And I think in in the a leadership challenges in this climate that we're in now, how do we make those those spaces and that time for that conversation to happen? Because without the conversation, it's none of this stuff is going to really happen, too. So I think that was one connection that I made. And then I love this idea of the uh, failure fair, the fail fair. Um, and I think it, it really does. It really does. You know, 
it, it pushes against that idea, another idea that we have in, in education where failure is bad. And, you know, we, right. we, don't, we always want to cloak our failures and, you know, not show vulnerability and things like that. So I think there's, there's a lot of things that I, I can see coming from that, just even as an administrative team doing it and then seeing where it, where it moves out into the larger organization. Um, but, but that's something I hadn't thought of. That was, that was a really good takeaway from, from, from what you were saying. So thank you for that. And I wonder, I wonder if our admin team's wondering What's happening? What are we going to do? When are we going to be talking about our failures? <laughs> and maybe as they listen to this. <laughs> and, and next lunch and learn, bring a failure instead of what's good. <laughs> Interesting idea. So, um, yeah. Susie, you talk about the idea of creating... You talk about the idea of creating space, and um, in part two of your book, you focus on building the new idea factory and identifying several strategies, such as seeding innovation, integrating design thinking, making room for thinkers, using technology and gaming for learning. And you also shared that you've worked with some schools on design thinking. Can you talk a little bit about you know, a couple of those or a design thinking example that would be a great entry point for schools like us who are thinking about innovation. Sure. Um, and again, I think design thinking is one of those strategies that's really starting to take hold in education um, because it, it, again, gives people a process to tackle challenges and come up with creative solutions. So, um, you know, I've seen schools where it's really starting to become part of the DNA of their school. Um, it's not just something that happens once in a while. It becomes the way that they start to talk about problems. So, for example, let's say you're a school where um, kids are not showing up for assemblies. They're bored. Um, they're uh, disciplinary issues. Or if they're showing up, they're, um, they're disruptive. Um, I talked with a school that used the design thinking process to, to explore that. Um, so they of course, had to think about the user experience. Their main users there are the students. Rather than trying to kind of discipline and police students, let's sit down and talk with them. Why is it that you guys are bored at assemblies? What would you like in a shared, um, you know, coming together experience? What would interest you? Um, surprisingly, they discovered that uh, in this particular school, assemblies were planned for um, a time of day when kids were just ravenous. It was mid-morning. It interrupted a chance to go to the locker, grab a snack. So they were hungry. So right away they got the idea, what if our assembly started or you got a snack at the door? How would that change experience? How would that make it a more appealing place? What if it felt more like a coffee house uh, than sitting in rows and listening to someone? What if we had students coming up with suggestions for what we were talking about? So those sorts of, you know, flipping it into uh, from a problem into an opportunity by using the design thinking process um, to solve a day-to-day -day problem, something that's just bugging you. Or perhaps you're going to look at um, an issue around late work or um, students missing class because they're on um, sports teams or, you know, any number of the things that every school is wrestling with in the logistics of teaching and learning. Um, pick one of those and then do a deep dive with your team on thinking of how could we come together to really solve this in a new way, come up with a better situation instead of just fixing what's kind of broken, how could we reinvent, start from scratch, let's dial way back and think about what are we trying to accomplish um, 
with whatever this process is in the beginning. And then what do students have to say about that? Um, bringing their voices into the problem solving process, into the creativity process, I think that's just the best thing you can do to start to really leverage um, all that design thinking has offered. The same with your parent community. If you're having um, parent conferences and attendance is poor, for example, some schools have looked at that issue. What do we do if we're trying to have parent conferences or student-led conferences and only half of our parent community might be showing up? There's an opportunity to bring design thinking to that problem. And of course, in exploring it, you're going to be talking to some parents. You're going to be stepping on the shoes, stepping into the shoes of parents to understand the problem better from their perspective and probably working with them come up with a better solution. So those are a couple examples I've seen around design thinking. I think some of these other strategies um, you know, are playing out in, in really interesting ways. Um, and they don't have to be expensive. I, I guess I want to make that case um, that innovation can happen on the cheap. <laughs> I think a lot of school districts think that if this is something that's you know, only for maybe the most well-funded schools and they can afford to think about that. Um, and I would say sometimes a coat of colorful paint um, can be the start <laughs> to a whole new vibe um, in a school uh, situation. Um, just a, a quick example, you know, think about those spaces in your school that, that are kind of underused. Um, I, I'm thinking of a creative teacher friend of mine in um, California whose students are doing a lot of great work around digital storytelling. Um, they have their own, you know, as fifth graders, they run their own film academy and they take on projects for the community and create just wonderful um, documentaries and PSAs. They're not a school with a lot of resources available to them, but their principal understood what they were up to, saw the value of the work they were doing and said, you know, there's this closet that we don't use anymore. You, do you want it? <laughs> and he was, the principal was thinking, I believe it was a she, was thinking about storage, but the teacher has that innovator's mindset that can see opportunities everywhere and thought, oh, here is our green screen studio. You may think that it's an old abandoned janitor storage with some green paint and you know a little bit of soundproofing. Now we've got a studio to do green screen work. It doesn't have to be expensive, but it, it requires thinking about, okay, what do we have here? Um, what could we repurpose? What are the opportunities kind of hiding in plain sight that we're not taking advantage of? Um, are there places where mm -hmm. kids are typically hanging out, maybe not always in the most productive way, but they're finding each other there. It's a peer space. How could you leverage that coming together of kids and then rethink, okay, what could we create here? Maybe with our students, what would they really like in kind of a hangout space where perhaps it's going to change the, the vibe a little bit. Um, I was talking with um, a fellow involved in um, Oh, kind of community design projects, building, you know, big things to change the environment of schools and communities. Um, and with his students, they created these really creative um, couches that sort of fit together in a modular way, uh, almost like, uh, like little slices of a pie. So there's some separations if you want to have a conversation with a couple of you, or you can retool them, wheel them around because they're on wheels, or have a big group meeting. And this is something that students came up with because they wanted a hangout space where they could talk to their peers, sometimes about school, sometimes about teenage stuff. Um, but by harnessing their creativity and 
you know, giving them the message that, um, you know, we have some maker tools here where we can actually work together to come up with some new stuff that wouldn't cost very much. We're going to use some plywood and recycled materials. And what would you like this space to be? Um, I, I think those are some exciting opportunities to start getting that sense of innovation just percolating in your school. That may not be a class project, but it might carry over in the future to a class project because now kids have had that experience of making something happen. Every time they walk through that space now that they've helped redesign, they're going to think, you know, this looks the way it does because I helped with this. I helped imagine this. I helped think it into being. Um, and it turns out I'm the kind of person who can make things happen. So that's a great message to encourage. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a really great point. So bring people together, encourage their passion, provide some resources, and be open to some different ideas. You've given us some, some strategies and, with, and mentioned a number of different examples of uh, innovative thinking. And so in our own systems, in our own schools, we have these pockets of people who think this way and have you know, taken advantage of that space that they have to move things forward in this direction. So sort of the million dollar question from leadership is how do we take those pockets of innovation and how do we scale them up? How do we make larger systems more innovative like schools or even school districts? Any suggestions or strategies there? Super. And I think, as you said, this is the million dollar question. Um, you know, I do some writing about innovation outside of school as well, social innovation, social change, and um, any idea that's worth doing is worth doing at scale because you want to get that idea, you know, to, to reach as many people as you can. So I think within school systems, um, some of the examples I share in the book are, are just ways that um, school leaders have of um, shining a spotlight on those pockets. What I've found over uh, many years now of doing um, you know, writing about education. I'm in a lot of classrooms all over the country, but um, often the teachers who are doing great work are doing it in isolation. Um, and sometimes that's a survival tactic. Nobody told them they couldn't, so they're going to go ahead and do, you know, go ahead and give it a try. Kind of keep their head down, stay under the radar, and let's see what happens. And you know, uh, what you want to do is shine a spotlight on those classrooms where great things are happening and start to build that network. So these perhaps isolated pockets realize, hey, there are others in my own building who are also doing innovative things and I didn't even know about them. So how could you do that as a school leader? Um, you know, I, I think using social media as your networking tool is just a true tremendous strategy. It, it's not gonna take a lot of time um, but it's going to really spread the word quickly. Um, in my book about innovation, I spent a lot of time talking about a district in um, Virginia, Albemarle County, and an innovative school leader, Pam Moran, who's been superintendent there for a long time. She is just a, um, an <laughs> tireless tweeter, poster, blogger. She uses social media all the time to spotlight great things that she sees. So that sends a couple messages. First, it tells everybody in the community that she's in the classroom all the time, looking to see what's out there, scanning the horizon, trying to identify those, you know, those early adopters or the ones who are trying things in um, perhaps a different way or coming up a, with a better idea to reach kids and engage kids. Um, and then she's using social media to turn those into just little moments. Uh, what did she see? What did she notice? You know, why is this work worth celebrating? 
So I think the more you do that, it demonstrates that, that you have the radar for innovation. You're looking for it. You welcome it. You encourage it. Um, and, you know, it feels good to teachers who are doing something bold and creative to know that they're being recognized for that. This is, um, this is recognition that teachers, um, you know, they deserve and I think they thrive on. And it kind of starts to raise the bar for their peers. Um, if my colleague next door is doing something, either maybe I want to try to get next door and see that, or maybe I'm ready to give something a try or to kind of share my story of what's going on. So social media is one way to do that. I think using your, um, your collaborative time, however that um, is structured in your district, for at least part of the time sharing what um, I and others like to call bright spots, you know, what's going on um, that's worth, worth knowing about, worth sharing, who's got something coming up, maybe it's a project that they're just getting ready to launch, they've got something planned for that entry event that would be worth capturing maybe on video or having a couple observers in the room to see. Maybe another project is further along and they're getting ready for a showcase event. So who might um, be a great person to have in the audience there? So making sure everybody in the building, everybody in the system kind of knows what's happening. I think it is one of those ways to bring things to scale. And then if there are structural things that you can do um, going forward, um, you know, as a school leader, you're going to find out what the barriers are. What's getting in the way of teacher collaboration, for example? What's uh, limiting teachers feeling like they have the freedom to innovate? If you can get some of those structures um, in place that will support them and remove barriers, whether that's a little bit of seed funding like some districts have done, or whether that's carving out a little more time for collaboration, um, or perhaps using your already existing staff time in some different ways uh, to look for bright spots or to troubleshoot challenges um, to go beyond the sort of fun of a fail fair and really dig into, okay, this worked 80% well, we want to get to 100% well. Um, how could we retool a project next time, you know, to, to really um, hit a home run with it. Um, so I think all those things start to happen as you move forward with this conversation. So those are some really interesting ideas on how to make work systemic and certainly something that we're working hard to do this year. Uh, we have formulated an Innovate Salisbury team and we're providing pullout time and mentor texts for teachers to use and collaboration time and even some mini grant funding um, to get projects off the ground. So um, really interesting to make those connections to what you've just talked about. So what's next on, on the horizon for you? What beautiful question are you thinking about now? And, and what are you working towards um, in your practice right now? Sure. Um, you know, there are so many great questions to be pursuing. So I'm trying to focus a little bit. I have a couple of uh, writing projects um, in the works. Um, one is, is uh, in a way, kind of building our, on our conversation today. And that is taking a look at the question of, um, how do you get all your stakeholders on board with you if you're moving in the direction of school change? Um, you know, I've, I've worked with schools around the country, across the country, around the world. Often on um, our starting point is often project-based learning, perhaps with a technology integration piece. And sometimes things will get off to a great roaring start, but if parents don't understand why school looks different, if community partners don't understand why kids are out of class, out in the community, doing things differently than they used to do, um, you run into barriers and roadblocks. So um, one beautiful question, I guess, is how do you ensure that 
all stakeholders are helping to define the future of education and then support it going forward. Um, so that's one. And then another project I'm really excited about, um, I guess I'm doing what I talked about doing earlier, which is removing some of that cloak of mystery around innovation and partnering with a very innovative educator um, friend of mine from the Bronx, a fellow named Steve Ritz, who works on a variety of different initiatives all around kind of greening the curriculum, helping kids understand where their food comes from, um, you know, how a seed uh, is a metaphor for hope, all those sorts of things um, in one of the biggest food deserts in the country. How do you turn that into a curriculum where kids are learning about STEM, where they're changing their family health, um, where they're focusing on everything from uh, gardening to nutrition. So uh, we're going to do a deep dive in, in some of the um, innovative approaches he's come up with. He truly is one of those serial innovators who goes from one great idea to the next and is working on scaling them. So I'm really excited to be working with him on have a deep dive into his own story. So that's mm -hmm. what's up ahead for me and meanwhile I'm continuing to work with a variety of schools um, that are just rolling up their sleeves and doing this hard work of thinking about the future of teaching and learning and um, how do we get there faster? Uh, so <laughs> I think that's what's driving all of us. Yeah, certainly very applicable to our work here. And thank you for sharing that. And we look forward to seeing what results as a work um, as you work with your colleague from the Bronx. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us, Susie. For our listeners who want to learn more about Susie's work, you can visit in the show notes. There are multiple links. Susie's blogs at reinventingpbl.blogspot.com and edutopia.org slash Susie hyphen boss. And you can also follow Susie on Twitter at Susie Boss. You'll see some information there about bringing innovation to school and author chat with Susie Boss, an educator innovator webinar national writing project. And also there is linked a Common Sense Media that interview uh, that Susie did about project-based learning. Each episode, we leave you with a couple of questions to think about with the idea of provoking some conversation. In this episode, we have two questions. First, what innovative practices would you like to try in your classroom? And second, as a leader, how can you apply some of the action steps shared in this episode to your own innovation agenda? If you've enjoyed today's episode and would like to comment or just find out more about the resources and links we've shared in today's episode, check out the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season two, episode 30. We'd love for you to, sh to rate the show in iTunes. Let us know your star rating and consider leaving a one or two sentence review. If you have time to do that, you'll help new folks discover this content. That's it for now. We'll see you next episode for a conversation with another innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Susie. Thanks so much for the invitation. Wonderful to chat with you both. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.